Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are listening to a Hive Talk Live stinger. Buzz Buzz. Welcome in, Hornets fans, to the Saturday sit-down, a little weekend dose of Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. We're finally through with college football, so hopefully there's a little more time in your busy weekend schedules for some Charlotte Hornets basketball talk. I'm Doug Branson. We're here on HiveTalkLive.com at TheHive.com and brought to you by the good friends, by our good friends at BlogTalkRadio.com. And we're coming to you pre-recorded from the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful uptown Charlotte. Coming up on this show, we've got a ton to talk about before we get to a great interview with Nada Edwards from WFNZ 610 The Fan. Always love having him on this podcast and on the live shows. He's He always has interesting thoughts. He's nearly at every game. He covers a team for WFNZ. And you can check his podcast out, which covers sports, but it also covers pop culture. But it is always a must-listen. It is the Mike Check podcast on uh, WFNZ.com. So check that out. But before we get to that, I have to go over, once again, the Hive Talk Live Thursday show that we're doing, because I think there's still a little bit of confusion out there about what the show is, how you can listen, so we're we're going to go through all of that. So, first of all, we're doing a show on Thursday, every Thursday, 6 o'clock p.m., and it's live. It's called Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730 a.m., a great ESPN 730, one of the premier sports talk stations here in Charlotte, North Carolina. They're stationed right in the heart of Uptown Charlotte, and we will be doing that show. We're recording that show from the ESPN 730 studios here in Uptown. It will be live on Blog Talk Radio. It will be live on at thehive.com. We'll have a post. You'll be able to go there just like you do the Tuesday shows. You'll be able to go there and listen live. And then that episode will get turned around and you can download it just like you normally do on iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite podcast aggregator. Or you can go to ESPN730.com and listen to the podcast there. So it's it's a special partnership with ESPN730. They are letting me borrow Justin Thomas, who comes on this show a lot. Anyway, they're letting me borrow him for a, a co-hosting gig, and David Walker will be making many appearances as well. And it's I, I feel like the Thursday show is going to be a, a little bit different from the Tuesday show. The Tuesday show is much more conversational, much more, uh, we're a little bit more silly, and I think the Thursday show is going to be uh, more reliant on player interviews and uh, more analysis, more game recaps, that kind of thing. But we'll still get silly. We'll still get fun because if you're not having fun 
talking about the Charlotte Hornets, then I don't know. It just seems pointless. Sports are fun. Sports are fun to watch. Sports are really fun to talk about. And sports are especially fun when you get to see them live and in person. And that especially goes for the Charlotte Hornets. And speaking of that, we did a contest, a ticket giveaway for the Utah game on January 18th. So many of you retweeted, so many of you followed. It broke a record for these type of giveaways that we've done before. So thank you to everyone who participated. Unfortunately, there can only be one winner, and that winner was Chance the Gray. So congratulations to him, and thank you to everyone that participated. We'll be doing more of these. We hope to break even more records with these giveaways, and we're also giving away a mini ball that was signed by the entire team. So be looking for that on Twitter or maybe Facebook or maybe Instagram. Go and follow us there as well. Facebook.com forward slash Hive Talk Live or Instagram at Hive Talk Live. I like that. I like Instagram. Maybe Instagram will be the new place for the contest. I don't know. You have to follow all of those to make sure that you see these contests, you see these giveaways, and that you get involved. So from time to time, we get feedback on the show. Some things that we're doing right and some things that folks feel that we need to do more of. By the way, if you ever want to send us that feedback, we welcome it. We want it. Send it to uh, either the Twitter, you can tweet at us, or send it to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. I read all of those emails personally. And I think I, I take the, the feedback to heart. You know, I light some candles. I I draw a bath and, and then I read the feedback. Maybe a little too much to heart. But uh, th- this particular piece of feedback that I got was that we don't do enough uh, recapping of the games. So your your box score reads, your your general recapping of the game. And while I feel that if you're listening to this, you're a hardcore Hornets fan, so by definition you've watched most of the game, if not all of it, and you watch most of the games, if not all of them, and you occasionally check box scores, I, I still understand that sometimes schedules don't allow it and you've got things to do and you still want to listen to Hive Talk Live on Tuesday or or coming up on Thursday and you want a little recap. I get it. So we'll try to do better, a little better in that arena. Um, And and so in that vein, I'd like to talk about this New Orleans game. So the Hornets fall 107 to 109. We'll get into some deeper analytics of this game when uh, we get to this conversation coming up with Nada Edwards from WFNZ. Uh, but just real quickly, uh, the big stars for the Hornets were Kimball Walker and Nick Batum, both uh, putting up a quarter, 25 points apiece. Uh, Nick Batum shooting 11, from 20, uh, 11 of 22 from the field, four rebounds, eight assists, continuing to distribute the ball. Kimball Walker, though, 25 points, Four rebounds, four assists, but here's the big number. Five of seven from beyond the arc. He was an absolute surgeon from the three-point line and only one turnover. The Hornets overall only 11 turnovers. That's right about their average. 
unfortunately, I think five to seven of those turnovers came at the beginning of the second quarter, and the second quarter really proved to be uh, crucial in this game. The Hornets' uh, bench uh, play was not up to its normal bench force one par in that second quarter, and it allowed the New Orleans Pelicans to really respond, get out ahead, and the Hornets had to play catch-up uh, nearly uh, the, the the rest of the way. The big story for the New Orleans Pelicans in this game, not Anthony Davis, not Tyreek Evans, although both of those gentlemen had very good games. It was, in fact, Ryan Anderson off the bench, although he did play 28 minutes, significant minutes off the bench. But he went 12 of 19 from the field, 6 of 8 from beyond the arc, 32 points, 8 rebounds. Let me repeat, for emphasis, off the bench. And when you can get 32 points and 8 rebounds from one player off the bench, that's going to be very difficult. And I think it's it's saying something that the Hornets' offense was even able to hang in with the assault of three-pointers that the New Orleans Pelicans put together, 12 of 27 from the field, from the three-point line for the New Orleans Pelicans. That's good for 44%. That's not good for the Hornets, who shot well from beyond the arc themselves, knocking down 14 three-pointers. They are one of the league leaders in three-pointers made. So those continue to fall, but the Hornets struggled to get to the line. Only 12 free-throw attempts. They knocked down nine of them but that's certainly below average for a Hornets team that really tries to get to the line. Cody Zeller's had a couple of fantastic games coming into this one. This was not one of them. Two of seven from the field, five points, eight rebounds, uh, one assist. And finally, Jeremy Lin, seven points, five rebounds off the bench in nearly 30 minutes of play off the bench, but he was bothered by a tweaked ankle that he suffered During this game, we'll check on his status because the Hornets, they don't get a day of rest. They come right back to Charlotte. They play tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks, a young team, a long team, an athletic team, but not a team that has it fully put together. So once again, the Hornets are faced with a game that it's not a must win, but it's a a very heavy should win, just like this game against the New Orleans Pelicans. But they don't give you W's for shouldas. I mean, you got to go in there and you got to play hard and you have to do the simple things that lead to NBA victories, especially, especially on the defensive end. So hopefully the Hornets can put it together tonight against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks in Charlotte. So hopefully now you have a little better understanding of what happened in that Pelicans-Hornets game. We're going to go into some deeper analysis with our good friend, Nada Edwards, Always a favorite. We talked about this game, and we talked about a lot of other stuff as well. Let's get to it. Team should be better. And and obviously, you know who was more frustrated than me? Coach Clifford. Yeah. And that's where I worry about. Because if these guys are not, I don't, I don't want to say they're tuning them out. I don't want to go that far. But if these guys are not consistently giving the effort that they need to, then maybe, just maybe, we need to start looking into bringing some people in here that can do it. Like, there are too many, and I don't want to say there's too many guaranteed contracts on this team, but there are too many guaranteed contracts that expire at the end of the year to be having guys that cannot guard the perimeter right now. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on there. There are a couple of things 
that are confounding about this team and that are not only confounding us, it's confounding to fans and it's confounding to Steve Clifford. One of those is that this team is capable. We've seen evidence that the team can play defense very well against a Hawks team that's a very good Hawks team. And they just pick nights where they decide not to do that anymore. And what you said, there are a lot of players on this team that have something to play for beyond the playoffs, talking about free agency next season. And yet even those players somehow can't find the will to go out there and, and, and give the kind of intensity that you need to succeed in the NBA. And that's the crazy thing because, and there's a funny story actually. I was told this, um, I believe it was Wednesday during before the game started, that Jeremy Lamb was basically ripped by his entire team because we remember that Denver game where he just passed up shot after shot after shot. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the coaching staff and the players ripped Jeremy Lamb from pillar to post, and then ironically. Next game, he's had his best floor game that we've seen in a month. Not just the points before he injured his toe, but the way he was being a diet Batum almost, where he was distributing, he was looking for the extra man, he was out there guarding 90 feet. When's the last time we saw Jeremy Lamb do that? And, and, And the rest of the players, more importantly, were feeding off of that. Exactly, especially that second unit. If Jeremy Lamb can play like a diet Batum instead of being instead of being passive, and that's his issue, is that he's passive. He reminds me a lot of Allen Houston back in the day when I used to root for the Knicks back in the old childhood days of uh, again when little Nada was riding the subway in New York every yeah, now and Alan, again. Go Allen. Exactly. And then no Allen, don't sign that contract. <laughs> It'll kill the team. <laughs> no, but um He reminds me so much of an Allen Houston where he just picks nights where he's really focused. He's really dialed in. He's really just affects the floor on both sides of the floor. And if he can do that more often than not, then you know what? This team can be not just a playoff team. We might win a round because to be quite honest, outside of maybe Cleveland, and I stress maybe because we do not know that that I like Cleveland. They don't look that good. They don't look that good outside of LeBron, which obviously he's a top five player in the league. But Kevin Kevin Love can be taken advantage of. You have Kyrie Irving, who may or may not make it through the season. They look ripe for the picking. But outside of that, does Atlanta scare you? No. I mean, not after not after the other night. Exactly, not after the other night. Does Toronto scare you? Not really. I mean, they've at- taken they've 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 acquired double digit, if not twenty point leads against Detroit, against Atlanta, against Miami, against Toronto. Now they may not have held all those. No, they may <laughs> no. not have held all those but because they of lack them. of focus. Yeah, exactly. They had them. These these guys can put points up on anybody, anybody. But the frustration, I think, on on Clifford's end, it has to be the fact that y- you you hate to have to reignite the team every other night. Well, it, this is also you true. You can't hold that feeling. 
but it's and it's funny because the the team whipping boy, otherwise known as Campbell Walker, who happens to be the second best player on this team right now, behind Nick Batum. And by the way, Rich Cho, if you're hearing this, I completely understand if you want to basically pull a Glenn Taylor, offer this guy the max right now, and risk the draft pick. He doesn't need to be going anywhere. He really doesn't. But I think a lot of the reigniting of this team is going to come with one certain Michael Kidd Gilchrist coming back earlier than I believe everybody thought. Thanks for burying the lead on that one. They kind of, yeah, the announcing Hornets. team kind of slipped that in there that that a February return seems almost inevitable at this point. Exactly. So all that's we, huge. Yeah, exactly. That's the crazy part because we're talking about a, a team that might or might not get this guy back before the All Star break. Most likely, it'll be after the All Star break. But still, how many of y'all saw? How many of us saw that Michael Kidd Gilchrist was going to be back? after the all-star break before the trade deadline. And it's kind of crazy because I was of the mind, you know what? Let him sit the old whole year. Don't get him hurt anymore. But the fact that he might be ready in February is just mind blowing. And it just speaks to the work ethic and what this kid has done necessarily to get back on the floor, to be ready to play. It says a lot about him. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't really buy into the thought process of, you know, let's let's hold off. Let's be careful. Let's because I think, look, you know, Michael K. Gilchrist knows his body. He's been th- he's had these injuries. A lot of them are are unfortunate injuries more than like re-injuring something uh, of that nature. I, I think you know the medical staff is going to do what the medical staff needs to do, and if they feel like if if I felt like I guess I would be since <laughs> this sounds weird, Nada, but I would be more worried if they said six months and he came back a week early than if they said six months and he's coming back two months early. Because to me, that says something happened along the way that was a significant development that allowed this to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And I guess maybe they overestimated the, the degree of the tear or whatever, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're not always good. They're not really ever forthcoming with that kind of detailed medical information so no, just no, no, know, especially since it's a HIPAA violation i completely understand that <laughs> it's a, in that it's a violation of federal law you can understand yeah exactly exactly we're not going to get full medicals on anybody not even when your your franchise center pops three times for marijuana usage but you know that's my one al jefferson dig for the day you got it out of the way yes can it, move on yes now. it is but it, it's kind of crazy just to see that this team may get a top four, top five defender back when this team's issue is defense and consistency every night. And we know MKG's hustle is that infectious. Yeah, I still hear from fans on, on Twitter that they don't really know how MKG is going to fit with this team. because I guess because they added so much shooting uh, outside shooting and MKG uh, obviously was just getting you know his shooting stroke from mid range into a consistent place and now he's missed so much time. How do you think he would fit into this lineup? Oh, this is such a simple question. Uh, thank, thank you for asking me this, Doug. You're welcome. You got Kemba Walker, who's having his best shooting. You have Kemba Walker, who's basically shooting the lights out of uh, just shooting the lights out. Yeah. 
you can have at any point you could either go PJ Hairston. Actually, no, PJ Hairston is not in this equation at all. You can go Jeremy Lamb, Kemba Walker, Nick Batum. You, in certain aspect, in certain situations, you could probably go Frank Kaminsky mm-hmm. and then slide MKG right there. Now, who guards the four is your choice. You could either have Batum or you could go MKG in that aspect. But what that does is now that spaces the floor out. The one in becomes MKG. Mm-hmm. Who's a good offensive who's rebounder. A good, exactly. Who's not only just a good offensive rebounder, but who's also a great slasher. Yeah. So you give him nothing but open lanes to run through. You're looking at, I don't want to call it the mini death lineup that Golden State has, but you got some killer bees there. Mm-hmm. You Ooh. have some killer bees. I like that. Killer bees. Yeah. You definitely have some killer bees. <laughs> the killer bee lineup. Yeah, exactly. When when the Hornets figure that lineup out, the name is just sitting there exactly. ready and waiting for it. Yes, where you have guys that can roam, cover the perimeter, and that's the thing. When a, with a guy like MKG, I'm not so worried about Jeremy Lamb having those lapses because, we, as we've all seen, MKG is good enough to carry, cover at least two or three guys. We've seen him do it with Al Jefferson before. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you got guys with actual foot speed and lateral foot speed, more importantly. That is a very dangerous, very potent lineup. And the thing is, MKG can fit with a guy like Marvin playing the four. He can fit, especially if he can go Marvin at the four, MKG at the three, Batum at the two. And then you can go Hawes or Zeller. And then you have a turn up, turn up the tempo, turn up the pace lineup. And it's a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. And and if he gives you nothing else, I think he gives you someone who derives the rest of their game from their defense. Exactly. And so many guys on this team derive how their game is going to go from their offensive performance, and that dictates their defense. MKG does it the other way around, and you need really you need multiple guys that do that. But he's good enough but, to but, where you don't need it. But having one guy, yeah, to quarterback the defense, to keep everyone in place. Yeah, exactly. And the one the one name that I come back to on this, and this is this is maybe not fair to MKG, but he's like the hybrid Draymond slash Iguodala, where he's he can guard a multitude of positions where he can guard probably a decent amount of stretch fours and give them hell. At the same time, he can go and guard your best player, but it gives you that option of basically being able to adapt to whatever lineup you throw out there. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't want to put MKG put pressure on MKG as a savior because mm-hmm. Lord knows the people over there at Time Warner Cable are probably already doing that. But this this is like getting a big trade swung in your favor. And you didn't have to give up a single draft pick or anything else like that. Yeah, this is a this. And the best part is we have a fairly decent scheme going forward to where I think this will work and it'll work well. And the schedule will break out and this should be fun. This should be a lot of fun going forward. Yeah, I I think the two biggest issues with the defense right now are. I mean, obviously consistency, but beyond that, it's intensity and it's trust. And when I say trust, I mean either 
it's misplaced trust where you think a guy's going to be able to recover or 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 cover a play the right way. And I think we saw that in the final sequences of that New Orleans game on the high horns play where Anthony Davis gets the lob and the dunk. I think there was a misplaced trust in Cody Zeller that he was going to make the right read or there's too much trust or there, excuse me, there's not enough trust and you, that's when you get over helping. So where I see MKG's biggest role being is in solving both of those issues because you know, he's going to bring the defensive intensity and you know, I think he's a guy that you can trust on defense. You you take your cues from him on defense. If you know where he is on the floor, then you know where you should be on the floor on defense. And so, you know, they always talk, and Batumas said, the defense is rhythm, and you hear guys saying, you know, we have to play on a rope, meaning all the guys have to move as one. And to do that, I think you got to look at the guy next to you to determine where you're supposed to be. Exactly. And you got to have one guy on the floor that every time – He's down on the defensive end of the floor. He's where he's supposed to be. And, and, and exactly. that dominoes to everyone else. It's funny you mention that because I remember, um, I think it was Chris Kroger that did an interview with uh, Coach Clifford. I believe he said that the biggest thing was for Cody in terms of learning was the fact that Cody is learning to talk and learning to dictate and talking on that back line. Mm-hmm. The issue and maybe this is where, again, you talk about him misreading that play with the alley-oop because clearly Davis, Anthony Davis should never get left. Never. He should never be alone. He should never have a free run to the rim at any given point. Where the J. Ru again, where you live with a Drew Holiday mid-range jumper, I'll take that. If we lose by that, amount, that, that way, cool, whatever. Now, it doesn't help that. Jeremy Lin was fouled and it should have been free throws, but that's another discussion. Another A lot of issues in that late game sequence. But yeah, that was an issue, I think, with with Cody of both misreading the play or really not reading it, not understanding that what was happening, but also of commitment. And Dell touched on this in his postgame comments that if you're Cody, if you're going to leave Anthony Davis, you've got to get up in Drew Holiday's shirt and make sure that he has to pass that back out. Exactly. And or you have to, you know, turn back time and commit to Anthony Davis and stay with him and allow that mid-range shot to happen. You have that's the thing on defense. Defense a lot of the times is like not really picking one or the other. It's just picking one. Like you exactly you, you, the, the worst defense is where you get caught in the middle. Yeah, exactly. No he was land. caught in no man's no man's land, and that was the biggest issue with that last night. I'm wondering where the backside help is if he's coming up there because usually, as we know Clifford's scheme is, if you go and blitz that pick and roll, there's usually somebody to stand there. Yeah. And, I, well, I think there were two issues. One, they were playing small, and yeah. so Lynn was left as the fall guy, but also Lynn had the ankle issue. So he was already hobbling around, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think he really <laughs> – and if it had all gone perfect, I still think that Lynn's got a tough time. No, if it all goes Anthony. perfect, Anthony Davis is shooting free throws. <laughs> right. Uh, and I guess that's the issue. He's shooting free throws, and then you know what? Who who knows? Yeah. But it's just a, we're in an interesting time because I think because of the fact that the Bucks had to play to overtime, they should have nothing left. They should have nothing lost tonight. They should win this one. 
And if you win necessarily on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, and I know you're giving away the tickets to that because, again, it's 1 o'clock, and you're probably unfortunately working on Martin Luther King Day, as am I, then they should win at least three of these next four. It would have been nice to get four out of four in this recent stretch where three of these games are at home, but to take three out of four after sliding, what, seven, again, losing seven straight? If you take the, three of the next four, it it washes that bad taste out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, winning three out of four is still very possible because I don't think the Bucks will have much coming back. Yeah, And then Utah is going to be the issue. And I think they can beat Utah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they've come up against so many teams. Despite the injuries that the Hornets have sustained, they've come up against so many teams that they should beat. And and I want to go back to that confusion that I've seen from fans who say, look, how could they lose seven games, then blow out the Hawks, and then allow the New Orleans Pelicans to score 109 points? And all I can really say is that it's it's not a Charlotte thing. Because this is happening to Miami too. This is an NBA youth thing. Yeah, like well, I read. Well, I mean, and Miami's got some old vets. And I was reading a Sun Sentinel article from uh, Ira, who covers the the team as the beat writer there, and and for ESPN as well. And my the Miami Heat are going through the same thing, where it's it's just a mental uh, attitude or an attitude and a and a mental fortitude that you have to have going into each and every NBA game. And, and sometimes teams just lose it, and it and it starts to avalanche, and that's that's what will cause a streak. Exactly. And, and then, unfortunately, I think for one reason or another, this team is missing that ingredient that keeps them, you know, keeps them focused. Keeps, keeps them focused yeah, every keep, night. And then that's where MKG comes in. That's why he was one of the captains. Because MJ MJ's not going to talk to this team every night. No, <laughs> no, no, him. no. He's got he's got many other things to do, and nor should he have to do that at this point. Yeah. That's what you have a coaching staff. That's what you have guys like Patrick Ewing for. But well, I think even the coaching staff can only do exactly. The so coaching much. staff can only do so much because that to me that's how a coaching staff loses a locker room if they come in every night hammering these these guys who are adults who are professionals who make a lot of money. If if Clifford's in there every night giving these guys the business, yeah, exactly. And, and I and I've well, I've talked about this with David both on and off the air. I just think Clifford. I think where you're seeing the frustration is honestly, I think Clifford's at a point right now where it's like it's on the guys. Like they got to go out and do it. Uh, you know, he's uh, now uh, in this New Orleans game though. I felt like Clifford got a little out coached. Yeah, th- yeah, and and he yeah. made he he finally made some adjustments late in the game, but went but you know Ryan Anderson was allowed to you know thrive for too long, and and then they and then New Orleans went super small, and, and there were a lot of things that happened in this game that I thought, man, like what happened here? Well, the the other thing that I'm worrying about now is that this bench with all these injuries is starting to get a little bit overexposed. I know, I, again, I'm not, I won't say I'm not the biggest Jeremy Lin fan, but there's times where if he doesn't have that ball distributor, it becomes the Jeremy Lin show and the ball gets stuck and it becomes very, very easy 
for this te- for this team to guard because it's one shot and done usually by Jeremy Lennon's a low percentage shot. Yeah. Whereas we're get, we're seeing Frank Kamensky now emerge. I mean, the man had 17 and six last night. Raise your hand if you saw that coming from him this late in the season. The fact that he's starting to get it now defensively, that's the issue. Because he was allowed to get torched, like you said, by Cliff. Clifford allowed him to get out there, try and figure it out because of foul trouble with Marvin. And mm-hmm. who also, mind you, is regressing slightly from his earlier form. And unfortunately, I don't think you can rely on Marvin on a day on a game to game basis anymore. I think the film is out on him. Unfortunately for I guess this is my issue now, is we this is what what happens when you lose a Jeremy Lamb, a legitimate scoring option off the bench that can handle the ball, that can put Lynn in more off ball situations. Can it, it just makes Lynn very one dimensional and he's he's asked to do too much a la Kemba Walker when Nick Batum is not out there. Yeah, it's the same kind of it's the same, same concept. kind of situation. Same concept. And yeah, I was impressed by by Frank's offensive not only versatility, but there was one particular play when the ball got swung back around to him and he was looking for Marvin underneath the basket and Marvin started to move away and kind of left him on an island and he backed down his guy and did a spin move into the lane, put it up soft and it was just a confident NBA veteran move. And, and and those kind of things get you excited, and then you look on the defensive end, and you go, okay, he's still got a ways to go. The funny thing is, I thought, and I think I think we talked about this. I thought Frank was one of the better bigs defensively, where I thought he would be fine because primarily because he can move his feet, and if he uses his length very smartly, he'll be in a he'll I won't say he'll be an elite defender, but he'll be an above average one. He has the physical tools. He has the physical tools, and he has the, the basketball IQ to put it all together. Uh-huh. Maybe it'll take a year. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have that year. Right. Not and, and, well, and that's the question I think that that fans would and that we would pose to Steve Clifford is like, how long do you take in this? You you knew this January stretch was going to be tough. So if you lose you know, a slate of games and you learn something in the process, then you get MKG back and then you can make a run and you can still make the playoffs and you're a better team. But how long do you let that occur? You know, how long do you leave Frank out there to try to learn something before you start sacrificing too many games? You're in too big of a hole and you end up missing the playoffs. And that's the gamble that's happening right now, it seems like. And, you know, we just have to see if it's going to pay off at this point. The the funny part to this, Doug, is the Eastern Conference isn't really running away from them either. That's why no, this but teams will. like Washington are starting to make runs now. Washington's at five. Teams that that were sitting a little dormant are, are now starting. Yeah. There are going to be. Here's my prediction: there are going to be three teams that started really well in the East that fall out of the playoffs. You mean Miami? I'm well. I mean Detroit. I mean Miami. I mean there. I think there are going to be three teams that fall out. And two teams that had really rough starts that are going to end up making the playoffs. It, and it, it could be Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte could be one of those teams that started really well and ends up ends falling up out. Falling out. Yeah. I would – let me handicap the, at least the southwest for you and southeast for you. Atlanta's going to be Atlanta. We know that. Mm-hmm. Miami 
are they trading Whiteside? Are they not trading Whiteside? There's a lot of things that scare me in a bad way about Miami. I don't think they make the playoffs again. I Because Dragic is not the fit for that team that, again, Dragic, Dragic is more of a up-and-down point guard, more of a running gun. It doesn't work with with Eric Spolstra. Well, it doesn't work with Dwayne Wade. When, exactly. when him and Wade are on the court together, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work. Justice Winslow, and that's why I think you'll see them abandon. They're, I think they went into this going, man. If you know, if Drajic can work with Wade, and Drajic can work with Bosch, and Justice can be uh, more than we ever bargained for, then we can do this. And now that we're thirty plus games in, they're like, nah, I don't think we can do this. exactly. <laughs> I don't think we can Justice do this. Justice Winslow, while he's great defensively, is. Is we're starting to realize that's why the Hornets never draft didn't even consider drafting him. We're starting to realize that you have what well, again Whiteside is like the most consistent player on that team is Chris Bosh, and we've seen that Chris Bosh alone in his prime wasn't good enough to get you in the playoffs. Sometimes yeah, hello Toronto, exactly. So and then Washington, like, do you trust Bradley Beal to stay healthy? You know, the worst thing that happened to Miami, So sorry to get off Washington, yeah. but the worst thing that happened to Miami is Dwayne Wade playing better. Yeah. <laughs> like he, start, he started playing like he was 10 years younger. And I, I think if you're anyone else but Dwayne Wade on that team, you went into this season going, okay, Dwayne Wade is going to give us X. We know that based on the previous couple of seasons. Like he's going to miss a lot of games. And there are going to be certain nights that he that he goes off, but most of the time he's going to be deferring to other guys. And then all of a sudden he starts playing like, you know, 10 years ago, exactly. Dwayne Wade, and it sent ripple effects to, to different guys like Goran Dragic. Exactly, where they're, where they're basically at this point, at this point they're just like, you know what, it's, all, it's Wade's team. He's going to treat this like, hey, it's my team again. Everybody's starting to defer, and that's the worst thing. And more importantly, they got a lot of guys that are long in the tooth. That really can't play anymore. Josh McRoberts, thank you for for that one playoff season. You're done though. Um, Wall <laughs> Dang, I mean, you were a great defender in your day. Tom Thibodeau basically rubbed the tires down to to the rim. You're done. There's a lot of guys that are done on that team. I mean, Atlanta again. Atlanta's Atlanta. Washington. How long do you trust Bradley Beal? Do you trust John Wall to stay healthy throughout the year? That team looks snake bit. More importantly, it's coached by Randy friggin' Whitman. I do not trust Randy Whitman. You can say what you want. I, I, I don't like that team at all. Like this this division, this this Eastern Conference, hell the Knicks. I don't trust them. There are a lot of teams at that bottom of the of the Eastern Conference where I don't think they're going to run away from from this Hornets team, despite the fact that they're doing X, Y, Z. I trust in the experiment of getting Frank Kaminsky more and more minutes and get basically getting him ready for starters, a starters position, if not this year, because he's been better than Marvin over the last, I don't want to about 10, 15 games, maybe. Mm-hmm. He's been better than Marvin. At what point do you pull that and pull the trigger on that? Bring him in there, start him, and then at the same time have Marvin with fresher legs, with more time to be more time to watch. 
and see what he does, see what he can do with those veteran tricks. And maybe the bench gets a little bit more explosive. Then you have Jeremy Lin. If Jeremy Lamb's going to be passive, Jeremy Lin has someone to operate off of with a Marvin Williams. And then there's always the return of the albatross. And I'm saying that very nicely. Well, and then none of this will probably matter because the Hornets will make some kind of deal that completely shakes up what we thought this rotation was going to look like. This is also true. So just be prepared for that, Hornets fans. Um, But a couple of other things that I want to talk about. We Obviously, the All-Star game is coming up, and the only Hornet in contention for an All-Star vote is Jeremy Lin. But Kimball Walker is getting All-Star buzz from uh, Karan Butler. Karan Butler, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, Yeah, Karan giving uh, Kimba his All-Star seal of approval. Does he get your all-star seal of, of approval? Do you think he deserves to be one of the coaches' selections to he get should. on this all-star team? I, I do. T- I think so. He should. The th- problem is, unfortunately, that Kyrie Irving plays in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. That's the issue because he's played more than well enough to say he's an all-star to me. At this point, can you really – because here's the thing. Outside of Wall and Lowry, can you really say there's a better point guard over the first half of the season than Kemba Walker. No, and I would to me, I would put Kemba over Kyle Lowry. Yeah, and as would I. And we've got two games against Toronto to prove it. I think it goes Wall just based on this season's performance. I think it goes Wall, Kemba, Kyrie, and then Isaiah Thomas. Because as much as I like Kyle Lowry, he's not. It's been yeah. Derailed. Based on this, you're right. Okay, so Isaiah third, and then Kyrie. Just yeah. on this, you know, not talent, on this season alone. On this season again. Do not harass me on Twitter. I will block you now. <laughs> <laughs> he's not afraid, folks. Exactly. But I would well, uh, and and Isaiah Thomas and Kimball Walker have similar issues that are keeping them. Yeah, size, right? Size and notoriety, and unfortunately, because Kimball Walker is playing in Charlotte, if he was a New York Nick right now. They'd be talking about he'd be an all star. He'd be voted in right now because that'd be the hometown kid doing it for the Knicks with a guy like Porzingis, who's going to make the all star game, even though as much as I like him, he shouldn't. But well, and and I think part of this is that Kimba and Isaiah Thomas, to a certain extent, do things that coaches really get off on oh yeah and they're, fans, they're leaders. and fans don't they don't see it because it's not exposed to them through uh, the various media outlets because they're not they're not fantastic dunkers they're they're not they shoot too much they shoot a lot um but i think i think they do things that that especially kimba with his pick and roll defense are things that coaches really enjoy watching and seeing and you know, Kyrie and Wall certainly do things that end up on Sports Center. Exactly. And Wall is just a physical specimen. And well, you know what? That's a, that's a great, you know what? We used to be, I feel like, I don't, I just feel like fans used to be really intrigued. And you, and you can look at Charlotte, who was intrigued by Muggsy Bogues. Yeah. A guy who was way too small for his position, but was doing fantastic things despite that. 
And now I think we've been through a generation with guys like Wall and LeBron and Anthony Davis who are who are just genetically physical specimens. Yeah. And, and I think that's where we gravitate towards now. It's guys that are way too big and are, are unstoppable forces as opposed to guys who overcome what they were given and, and they and they let their game speak, speak for speak it. for them. And and that's that's one of the things. And let me tell you how unappreciated Kimball Walker is in this city, in this fan base. I had a I had a call. Um, it was me and Nate Conley working on the show about a week ago, almost a week week and a half ago. Someone suggested that we bench that the Hornets bench Kimball Walker for Brian Roberts. I kid you not. That's how crazy it got. Here's the thing. I'm not. I'm not going to even feign surprise because I see it night after night of yeah. of this idea that the Hornets would be better served without Kimba Walker. And I don't – and again, I think that's micro-level analysis. It's not macro where you look at it and go, oh, like even when he has a bad night, he gives you things that you absolutely need. And you can't base decisions and off of – And you can't of, replace it. Yeah, and you can't base decisions off of – one bad night. And that's that's the crazy part because as you've known and we we have to have this conversation at some point. But as you know, I regard him as the best point guard in the franchise, period. Better than Muggsy, better than Barron because Barron doesn't have the has Barron doesn't have the hey, time, wait. sir. Now, this isn't done because Barron is trying to <laughs> He's trying to make a comeback. Yes, he is. He may have his say. He may have his say, but at the same time, <laughs> the best point guard ever for this franchise is Kemba Walker. Period. You can put Mug- you can try and put Muggsy up there. Muggsy was always the third banana. Whether it was Glenn Rice or Vladi Divac or or um LJ and Zoe and Dell, he was never the guy. Kemba Walker is the guy for this franchise, unfortunately, because he should be number two, number three on on always. But he's the best point guard that we've ever had in this franchise. And it hurts my feelings to see someone that doesn't get appreciated nearly as much as he should on a night-to-night basis because he should be point guard Gerald Wallace. And we all know how much Gerald Wallace was beloved in this city for a while. Yeah, I think that... The, unfortunately, Kemba's, it feels like his story has been written, and it's so hard to rewrite that narrative without playoff success. And we keep going back to it. Like, that's the only thing that rewrites player narratives. It's the only thing that rewrites franchise narratives, playoff success. It's when the most people pay attention. It's when the casual fan pays attention. And that's what ends up affecting the way we think about players. It's not. It's just not going to happen in, in January. It, it has to happen in in April and and May. And you know what? We'll probably see that, barring again, knock on wood, right now, because I don't want anything to happen to Kemba Walker because this team is screwed if it does. But I think we're going to see the best of Kemba Walker going forward, especially if you get an MKG, someone else, another voice in that room that can say, Hey, look, you're not doing X, Y, Z. I need you to do X, Y, Z. If you have a, again, if an Al comes back 
and it becomes even half of what he used to be, then he becomes more effective. And we might see a more effective Kemba Walker, a more efficient Kemba Walker, the Kemba Walker that what that might be Tony Parker, prime Tony Parker light mm-hmm. with the jumper. Mind you, prime Tony Parker never had the jumper. If he has that jumper and, and hitting five threes or six threes last night proves that that jumper is lethal now. You cannot go underneath on the screens to Kemba Walker. That makes him that much more dangerous. Now he's just got to do a little bit better on the distributing, and who knows how far this team can go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about the Mike Check Podcast as we wrap this up. What's going on with the Mike Check Podcast? Mike Check Podcast is officially back. I took a couple of weeks off at the end of the year necessarily just because I was doing a lot of fill-in work, a lot of just being stretched out in so many different spots. So I put it on hiatus. It is officially back. It will be back every Monday, Monday night, Tuesday morning, and it will have its own little page under the call-up on WFNZ.com. Ooh. Exactly. Fancy. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> do they let you put it on iTunes? Um, I wish they, I wish I, they could. I probably need to do that myself. It's one of those things that I'm going to probably end up having to do myself because I end up having to do a lot of it myself anyway. I'm just happy enough they're tweeting it out the link now. But, well, listen, it's good. I say it's not on iTunes, so it doesn't automatically download, but it's good enough where you you should go out and seek it. Go to WFNZ.com and find the Mic Check podcast because it's worth it. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Well, well, I appreciate you coming in and talking. We, we've talked uh, about a lot of things, and yet there's still so much more to so talk about. So much more. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even get into Cody Zeller, his changing game, and and that was one big thing. Maybe we'll save that for Tuesday. Thank you so much for coming in. No worries, no worries. Doug, you, again, it's too. it's been too long, man. Come on. We can't keep doing this every two months thing, man. <laughs> well, look, I, we're doing Hive Talk Live Thursdays now, so there's we're, we're making room. And, and and really, there's it's not like there's more – Hornets news to get to. It's just we need to get some more of these voices in. So we've added another show, and we've got plenty of room for for everyone now. Okay, good. Then I, then it better not be another <laughs> month or so before I hear from you again. All right, Doug. All right. Don't you just love Nada Edwards? Talking to Nada is great about pop culture, about whatever's going on in Charlotte and Charlotte sports. He's always a great conversation. You can check out the Mike Check podcast, his podcast on WFNZ.com. Again, I say it is a must listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this show, and thanks for supporting us on Twitter and by listening every week. I can't wait for you guys to hear the first Hive Talk Live Thursday coming up on January 21st. It's going to be a great show and the Hornets play against Milwaukee tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. at Time Warner Cable Arena. I'll be there watching them, cheering them on. Nada will probably be there as well, and we'll both be tweeting about this game. So uh, follow Nada at Nada the Scribe. Follow us at Hive Talk Live, and we'll see you out there, folks. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy your weekend. All hail the teal and purple.